0: So it's the time of the year when the state's childminding service, or school as it's otherwise known, is closed. The weather has been quite good, so at least the kids have been able to get outside the house. But as any parent will tell you, summer is hard to keep little ones entertained. An opportunity not lost on many business people. Let's talk to those making hay while the sun shines. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuBee, Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuBee.com. I don't know about you, but Photo Wildlife Park was a big part of my childhood. It was a lot closer than Dublin Zoo, and you still got to see monkeys and giraffes. But now, after a pretty big expansion and the addition of some exotic new animals, Photo has really come into its own. And a lot of it is with thanks to the vision of one man, park director Sean McHugh. I went down to Fota to meet with him in his rather unique office. Sean McCone, you have one hell of a view through your window here because the cheetahs can walk right
1: up, can they? Right up behind you there, so you better be careful.
0: <laughs> I won't turn my back too much on them. Uh, speaking of cheetahs, they are the latest new additions here. How many were born in the last few weeks?
1: We had four cubs born to one of our females, uh, Nimpy. Um, this is our second, third litter, actually, third litter, so uh, we're very proud of them. They're doing very well and they've been a real hit with the public uh, because she's, the mother is really relaxed. She comes forward right up to the front of the pen and very visible to the public. Uh, While her tiger cub is, um, or she, is a little bit more nervous and getting used to it. Reluctant, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. But the fact that the tiger cub has been born here, that is very significant for the development of the wildlife park, that you're now in that space, as opposed to you know, having cheetahs and monkeys and others, but you now you have success in breeding them.
1: Yeah, that whole process started back in 2012 when we started drawing up plans for our uh, new, new area of land that we purchased about 10 years previous. So it was getting the plans uh, and, and, and planning permission, etc., with that. Uh, we eventually, the, the other part then was the funding. Um, we had applied for F- Falsh Ireland grants etc and we thought we were, we were in with a good chance there. Didn't happen. So we had to, to develop it in phases. We decided we start first with the Tiger. That took about, about a year, a little over a year to do because during, during the, the um, development of the enclosure we, we hit some archaeology. Yes, That's, never,
0: never good. Nice that it's there. What nice. did you find
1: again? A, a, a small encampment. Uh, it's about three and a half thousand years old. Um, interesting in that it's just above the the waterline. That one and, and two hundred year event that of flooding that we expect the waterline for that uh, in the harbour. So it's it's you know three and a half thousand years ago. They knew exactly where to build. Yeah. Unlike our modern. <laughs> oh, no, of, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> we wouldn't have learned that much. But the, the tiger enclosure opened you were here if i'm not mistaken very early on in the photo project weren't you
1: yeah i was literally the first animal down here <laughs> <The first> animal. <laughs> but you
0: left in the intervening period
1: yeah i i, I was here from i came down in 1982 uh, and uh, was the park manager there at that stage um, got the park um, was involved in, in in the opening of the park the, getting the animals in etc uh, with terry morphy of dublin zoo and then um, in ni- the end of 1995, I moved to the Middle East to work with a private uh, development there that sheikh was He had, he had a, an interest in, in animals, particularly cheetahs, so that sort of sparked my interest. And uh, I went there for about 15 years and then came back in 2010.
0: How much had the park changed in that intervening period, that 15 years where you were gone?
1: Sadly, very little uh we they had purchased the the extra land during that period the extra 27 and a half acres uh and that was uh planted up so but the public weren't in there uh, but had left the the opportunity then to be to start to develop uh with um a slightly mature site uh which which was very good but the, at that stage the park didn't, didn't we didn't have the the finances to to develop anything
0: It's a curious one because you you have a steady flow of visitors all year round, but there are the peaks. There are the bank holiday weekends, the summer months. Is it difficult to try and predict from a business point of view how busy you're going to be in an average year? Maybe it's going to rain a lot. Maybe people are going to stay away. That means you can't necessarily plan too far.
1: There are are lots of um, events and, and, and parameters that can change for us. The weather is our big problem. Uh, we are a very weather dependent uh, visitor attraction. So we, we, we um, have almost 50% of our visitor numbers are between uh, the first week in, in June to the last week in um, August so we're very
0: much at the height of the season yeah, right
1: yeah. now yeah. and of those the four weeks this week the two weeks of the last two weeks in july and the first two weeks in august is literally the, the boom time for us um and if we had hit bad weather during that period or at bank holiday weekends in in, in at easter may um and the august bank holiday weekend they they can affect our our numbers Thankfully, with the development it's it's uh you know the recent developments we've gone from about three hundred and sixty thousand people in in two thousand and ten to four hundred and sixty five thousand last year.
0: This is an unusual business insofar as that it's a not-for-profit, which means that you have to make enough money that you reinvest and that you keep the staff employed and that everything stays above water, but you can't make too much money. Is it a delicate balance or is it something you don't have to worry about too much given the nature of the industry?
1: Uh, We certainly don't don't have to worry about too much money. Um, It's getting the the cash flow in is is, is, uh, our biggest dependency we we were ninety eight percent dependent on what we take in from our from our gate receipts um and in the last few years we we because of the increased numbers we have had uh a po quite a strong positive cash flow which has allowed us to do these developments along with um bank borrowings as well so we at the moment we we have a of borrowings of about one point three million so uh we are, you know, servicing the loans, but it hampers our, our future development. We have a lot of more things that we want to change and do and alter within the park over the next uh, five to seven years.
0: I'm watching out through the window here, watching for the cheaters behind me, but also at the people coming through. It's families with kids, families with kids. Is that a, a good or a bad thing, that that is the, the
1: main driver of people
0: through the gates here?
1: Um the majority is family and kids uh, and we would be the premier uh, in in the south of ireland we'd be the primary or family tourist attraction but uh, we do get a lot of groups uh we do get um a, a lot of uh couples um either you know young younger couples or um people who have retired and uh come along and visit the parks so you know but they they tend to come more through the outer part of the season. So in, in, in May, June, September, October. Hmm, well, you welcome
0: them then because that's your quieter time. You, yeah. you, you welcome any, anyone through the gates. And in terms of, of the local economy, when you have all these visitors coming in, that brings money not just to photo. If you say people are coming specifically for here, that means the rest of the neighbours benefit as
1: well. Yeah, and the surveys in, 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 uh, that we've been doing, accommodation uh what they what they eat uh, drink um what they spend on shopping etc uh, the visitors that are in the area it um it brings in somewhere around 150 million to the local economy annually um and as i said earlier, the area 30% of those people are actually coming to visit fota um that's their interest in in being in the area so we we would we would directly bring into the economy about 50 million if you take that number so it's and it's growing um and that's not just the the developments that we do in 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 directly within the park that's what the public that come here spend in the local economy
0: when you look back on your career here sean as you said you were the first the first animal here you're now the boss Are you proud of what's been achieved? Because there was times when, yeah, the photo was always there, but yeah, then it kind of went, didn't do much for a while. But are you proud of where it's at now?
1: Yes, um, but we know we have to achieve a lot more. Um, We, um, I mean, when the park first started, it only opened for um, seven and a half, seven months of the year. It closed in in the end of October and reopened in April. Uh, Now it's an all year round attraction um the the other big thing is the visitors that come here we know you know we've done surveys um over the last five six years can and they consistently come back that um about 30 percent that visit the prime the prime reason for coming to the cork region is to photo. to photo. to come here to come and
0: here. your biggest competitor if you were to have one is dublin zoo where it's you know biggest visitor attraction in the country is is there a healthy rivalry I, I do you feel like you're able to challenge them more now than you would have in previous years
1: uh, we're, we're actually part of the same organization ah, don't,
0: don't give me that you're always there's always bound to be a bit of rivalry
1: there is there is always rivalry between cork and dublin it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's on the football field uh, or as in, in any industry there there there'll always be that uh, rebel and and, and um, attitude to cork that we want to be better uh and uh in many ways we are better in in terms of our environments that we we have here for our animals are much larger and bigger and um and we're, we're growing in, in in visitor visitor numbers. so uh, our experience here that that uh most people will tell you is, is is better than they get in dublin we don't have the same number of animals but we still have you know it's easier
0: you, to get around photo that's my big takeaway yeah. from this out of all the animals you have here now and how, how many species have you got actually on the park at the moment
1: uh, we we have individuals we have over a thousand but you know that includes fish and you know that we have an tropical area we have uh about 120 species
0: 120 species out of all of them of all the experience you've had over the years do you have a favorite you must have one animal that you you'd like more
1: than the others uh, it changes. <laughs> it changes depending it's on the experience directly sense. with them. Yeah, um, I suppose to ultimately over over the the, the, the period of of thirty five nearly thirty five years the park has been open. The um, cheetahs have been central to that. So as a species, cheetahs would have been you know would remain my favourite. But uh, there are certain animals like we have we a new Indian rhino with uh, we've one or two ca- we have, we have one particular character uh there jamil he is you know he he's he's one of my favorites and uh i suppose a female female tiger and the, the male lion uh shanto he's he's a particular uh loud individual I say yeah. well i've seen
0: i went over to the line enclosure the last time i was here and the glass on the inside and i remember just noting how there were muddy paw prints all the way down the inside thinking i wonder what it was like when he was attacking the glass or at least playing with you to pretend he was attacking
1: um yeah he during the when the females are in heat um he he uh, doesn't like um certain members of the animal staff or, 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 or some people in the public he may recognise because they're in here a number of times he, see, he sees those as a threat to him so he'll come over and charge, charge of the glass but the glass is two inch thick so it's yeah,
0: has yeah he won't he, he can't he do too much damage Sean we wish you the very best of luck and hopefully the weather holds up for the rest of the season Sean McKeown of Photo Wildlife Park thanks so much for joining us
1: thank you very much Jonathan thank you the Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving
0: productivity with the latest Apple technology. Compube.com Now if you're not heading to photo with your kids, you're probably looking to do something else with them and one of the things you could do is send them to camps and there are many that are operating right now across Cork City and County. So that's what we're going to talk about next here on Red Business and with me is the Business Development Manager for LW Management, Mark McManus. Mark, how are you? I'm great. Thanks very much. L.W. Management means nothing to anybody, but I suppose if we use the the brand name, people will recognise it.
2: Yeah, we operate as Leisure World, and people would probably know our facilities. We have Leisure World Bishopstown, um, and in the north side we have Leisure World Churchfield, we have Douglas Pool, Mahon Golf Course, and uh, St. Peter's Church, in North Main Street. So we operate the uh, leisure facilities on behalf of Cork City Council. The idea of
0: getting involved in camps, like previously Cork City Council, they ran two swimming pools, that was it. Then it started branching out wider, wider, wider. How important is this now as part of the business model for Leisure World?
2: Well, I think uh, commercially within the leisure industry, uh, children's activity camps of, of different nature have always been around, you know. But I, I suppose in terms of uh, Leisure World delivering services to the community and to the public, um, children's activity camps, you know, children, getting them active, um, allowing them to experience new activities is, is very important. And, and one of the key things that Les World um, tries very hard to do is offer uh, opportunity and access to kids that may not get the opportunity and access otherwise. You know, so that's really important to us.
0: Uh, one of the things that always comes up is the cost of these things. They, they are kind of expensive. Where did you pitch yourselves in that model?
2: Yeah, they are expensive. Um, I mean... When you compare it to childcare, which is expensive itself, it it's, it doesn't look too bad. Uh, I mean, f- when you look at the the supervision that the children are getting and the duration, you know, typically we run our courses and um, our camps from ten o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon, so that's six hours a day, um, give or take five days that's 30 hours of if you child care if you want to look at it that way it, when you when you compare it to that it, it's not too expensive but it is absolutely a substantial amount of money to come out of parents and um, pockets to pay for their kids to take part in an activity you
0: know before we talk about the activities themselves let's look at it from your side what are the overheads i mean the cynic would say well you have the facilities you have the pool you have all of that so therefore it doesn't cost you that much they're making a good chunk of profit but it's not just having the facilities is it
2: yeah no there's there, there's obviously costs associated with it the facilities are there but the largest cost associated with the camps primarily is the staff and and over the last number of years, understandably, the, the costs of staff and training of staff, more importantly, and p- implementing policy and procedure, has greatly increased. Um, I mean, from s- simple things like all staff having to be guard vetted, uh, you know, that requires additional resources um, and additional costs as well. But more importantly, as well, the recent legislation with Children's First uh, legislation, which is all to do with child protection. Um, all staff now need to be trained in in this and uh, updated and there's a lot of policies procedures and training uh, to increase staff awareness and staff staff who apply for these roles come with lots of really good skills to work with kids you know um, but, but there's a, a, there's a, lot, a lot, of lot of additional forma- training there's that a lot we of need formality well that you have behind to that. so there is a lot of cost behind in order just to be in a position to offer camps and it has been it is even with the voluntary groups the scouts etc around uh, the country they're finding it harder and harder to maintain the services they're delivering because of these additional costs and resources and and time requirements Traditionally, I suppose it's younger people. It's part-time workers, maybe students who'll come in who'll facilitate
0: all of this. The most important thing is that kids have fun at these camps. You can't run them uh, like Eastern European uh, boot camps for for athletes in the 80s. There has to be a bit of crack in them. So, how important is that that you get the right people so that the kids enjoy themselves and the staff enjoy themselves as well?
2: That's a really good point. I, the the priority for us is, is split. You know, the most important thing for the parents and for the children is that they're they have a great time and they get something from it and the and everyone is looking for more than just uh, the child being minded you know the kids have to have an experience uh, but from our point of view actually our number one priority is safety you know, And we have to ensure that those children who are left with us now, uh, there is a large onus in business now that we look after those children and, and we ensure they're safe. Not only physically safe, but even the behaviour and everything that happens in that camp as well. So, so we are split. And you're right. The typical uh, staff that we would hire um, are the fun-loving, uh, active uh, Younger boys and girls at college, etc., looking for work in summer, we still have them because they bring that energy, that fun element and everything else, but we do need that element of uh, the, the responsibility and the supervision and uh, people to ensure that the environment is safe and that everybody who's in the camp is actually enjoying themselves and actually partaking and it's actually having a really good social experience as well.
0: You have the advantage of having swimming pools as well um, and that that forms a big part of a lot of the activities that you do isn't it?
2: Yeah hugely that's one of the big things uh, that Leisure World has is that we have the the swimming and it's the most looked forward when we uh, all the kids when they're asked what did they like about the camp you know it's it's typically is the swimming pool and the bouncy castle we do the arts and crafts we do the, the games and the sporting activities on the Archer Turf pitches. Um, but yes, the swimming pool is a, a huge thing. We have an inflatable there. They love sliding down on that. You know, We have uh, games and toys for them to play in the pool. And the kids, kids just love water, you know, and um, it's fantastic for them to have the opportunity to get swimming every day. If they were abroad in another country, uh, a warmer climate than ours, they'd be out swimming every day in the pool twice a day, three times a day, or never leave the pool. They They get a certain element of that at the camp where they get to go there every day.
0: But be honest... How much do the staff, the full-time staff at Leisure World look forward to the, when the camps are over and the noise level just goes back down to what it normally would be? There must be an element of anticipation for
2: September. Uh, probably not, actually, because this is a great time for the staff because they get to go outside and they get to go out and, and take part in all these different mixes of activities because we are always busy, very busy delivering uh, swimming lessons for school. So we have buses arriving non-stop from nine in the morning. Noisy all year it's round. Time, noisy yeah. all the time. So so uh, this, this time of the year... Is great and the weather is good and we get to get outside with the kids as well
0: if people want to sign their kids up if there's any space left at this stage how do they get in contact
2: yeah i mean you can check out our website uh, www.leisureworldcork.com and you can check us online now you can book in online call any of the receptions uh, check us out on our social media as well facebook and yeah we still have some spaces there and um, we'd be delighted to get more people signing up okay mark
0: mcmanus business development manager with leisure world thanks for joining us thank you the Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. So from that summer camp to another type of summer camp, Mervin Horgan is with me now. Mervin, you bring with you my favourite toy in the world. I, I can't describe how much I love Lego and you have an entire box of it here. So you've gone up in my estimation immediately. Tell us a little bit about what your camp is about. Okay, so basically we use
3: Lego Education products uh, to provide a fun experience Through challenges Construction challenges Um, For boys and girls We love when we get girls into our camp I think it's very important to get a balance And what we do is we have four different types of camps We have junior engineers, senior engineers Then we have junior robotics Which we're going to try a little bit here today in a few minutes And we also have senior robotics So we set them uh, challenges and, and daily tasks So they're actually learning Through Lego And having fun at the same time
0: Now, to me, I would have been standing outside the door and queuing. But have kids changed? Are their expectations different now as to what it would have been when you used to throw a few blocks together and hope it looks like something you thought it was going to look like?
3: Believe it or believe it not, Lego is a timeless toy. Um, And even though we're in a digital age, Lego have evolved and they now encompass the digital age. So uh, you can do things like programming, coding, And marry them with a Lego education product. And then what happens is then your robot or your creation or your airplane will actually come to life. It'll move. uh, It'll do things. It'll respond to your commands. So there is uh, a gap. Obviously, between the Lego brick and technology, but Lego have done very, very well to bridge that gap.
0: So you have an iPad in front of you. Just to describe to the listeners, you have an iPad and a, and and a Aguga, as I will describe it. A Guga. Yeah. So what is does the, the iPad involved? And uh, the iPad, um, the iPad basically.
3: This is the latest from Lego Education um, products, and we do an awful lot of school workshops as well, and birthday parties. We do festivals and events, um, and we work for some fairly big hitters now: Facebook, Google, um, mostly in Dublin, obviously, and and. Last week we were in the Clumbell Junction Festival, and in a couple of weeks' time we will be in the Ardmore Pattern Festival, which is great because it gives an experience to a market maybe we wouldn't reach. So this is Milo. Milo is the latest creation. And Milo, I suppose, is a step up on the Lego robotics that involves coding. Coding and programming, very important, very topical at the moment. This building that we're in uh, uses all those uh, technolog- uh, technological advances to create employment to generate business so what we're offering then is just an opportunity to practice that at a, at a basic level coding and computer science is also built to come on the primary curriculum and the senior cycle curriculum as well in a couple of years to create the skills needed for future generations
0: so how does the ipad connect with milo
3: Milo, it's a bluetooth connection
0: like you have on your phone
3: like you have on your phone yeah so simple enough i'm just going to turn on milo here and you're going to press this button here for me
0: yeah, this is this is very visual now. Very but I got to, I'm, yeah. I'm pressing a button on the iPad which says play. No, okay. So we'll, we'll do it again from press and play, right? So whenever you're ready, to go. So, so press play. Press
3: so play. this is uh, just a, this is just a line of code that's yeah. written for click and drag.
0: Okay. So here we go. Press play. Oh, Milo's moving. And Milo just moved forward. Oh, so you can just so in other words, I I that's programmed to make Milo move forward. Yep. And stop. And stop. And stop. And so stop. you can do a load of different things. So the, you sit the kids down and they learn. How these little individual blocks create a line of code that will tell Milo to do something or not do something. Or not do something,
3: yeah. And we can add, and this is the fun part, when we add. So we start with a basic model. Um, And the beauty about Lego as well is that all the children will reach the same model at the start. So we have a standard uh, across the group of children. And they work at their own speed and their own pace. And then they can go and explore and create and experiment and do whatever they'd like.
0: From From a business model point of view... There is an awful lot of summer camps. You've got cool camps, you've got FAI camps, you've got the leisure world camps we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to come up with something different, something new. So Lego is your thing. How many kids are into it and, and, and what kind of reaction do you get?
3: Yeah, well, I suppose just because there's cool camps and science camps and other STEM camps around there, there's a place for everyone and everyone in America. the market. The summer camp business is gone through the roof in Ireland. Um, our business started during a recession. And it, believe it or believe it not, we were actually busier during a recession because people were under time constraints. Both parents may be under pressure to keep jobs and keep working and things like that. And so we grew substantially. We also realised that uh, summer camps alone weren't enough. So the school offering, and we've also partnered with uh, DCU in Dublin and Mary I in Limerick. So now they have Lego Innovation Studios and they are training their teachers how to use Lego education products in the classroom. And we're all Lego education trained and certified trainers. So
0: is it a kind of a franchise then?
3: Some no, it's not a franchise. It's, it's, pri- it's a privately owned business. Uh, there's, I have a business partner in Dublin, Ross. So basically it's my, m- myself and my wife in Cork and there's Ross and his wife Pauline in Dublin. And they're the core of it and we actually link up with Lego education uh, internationally and it's mostly through the provision of LEGO education services and events.
0: Now, when you get the kids doing this, the whole object is that they become creative, that they engineer to a certain degree. When you have the younger kids coming in, I could, we've got th- the boys and girls, sometimes the tradition would have said, oh, girls don't want to do this kind of thing. Have you noticed a change? Uh,
3: notice a change. We, this year in our camps, we have about 35, between 35 and 45% of the attendees in the camps would be girls. We're often asked do you do camps for girls? The answer is no. We don't do camps for boys either. We do camps for children. children. And it's absolutely fantastic that we can provide uh, those opportunities. The boys and girls that come into our camps, they are not conditioned to think or maybe maybe have the same life skills of barriers to uh, attending events or being told that they should or shouldn't do this. The children we have now have ample opportunities. And a level playing field and to be fair I suppose it may be that the parents or the grandparents the way they were raised or they were brought up would in some instances might limit the thought process but we love girls coming in they actually fan- they're creative absolutely fantastic The creative side of girls bring.
0: Uh, so how do people get involved with this particular camp if you still have space this summer we still have space this
3: summer yeah we're in eight locations in Cork and we're in the Waterford Kerry Tipperary Limerick and Clare uh, we've 13 locations nationwide so you can check www.learnit.ie uh, all our locations are up there or you can send an email to cork.learnit.ie
0: so poor old Milo will be making an appearance at all those counts. he'll be wrecked he'll be wrecked he'll be
3: wrecked he'll be wrecked, He'd be wrecked. He'd be wrecked. Yeah. and uh, the old iPads do take a bit of a battering as well you know <laughs> but uh, no it's fantastic um, the coding is clicking and dragging and we're delighted just to bring some satisfaction to the kids as well
0: Marvin, the website again learnit.ie thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us in Red Business
3: thank you John and thanks for having
0: me And that's it for this week's Red Business. Don't forget red business at redfm.ie if you want to get involved. My thanks to my guests and of course Neave Hennessy who helped put it all together. And we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee. Building your business with premium apple solutions. Compub.com